They look like galaxies, like little collections of stars all over their faces. And they're black and white, and they usually have like a line across their back that's like speckled down, like it bleeds down onto their bellies. They're pretty. You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. If you've ever been to the Dean Farm at Hildeen in Manchester or driven by a small farm in Vermont, you may have noticed these unusual black and white cattle that look a bit different from Holsteins or Jerseys. These beautiful speckled creatures are Randall lineback cattle. Randall's originated on a farm owned by Samuel Randall and his son Everett in Sunderland in the early part of the 20th century. When Everett Randall died in the 1980s, the cattle were sold to other farms, where they lived in less than ideal conditions and nearly disappeared. Today, the cattle are considered critically endangered. But efforts to protect and preserve Randall linebacks are well underway and making progress. Cynthia Creech rescued the breed in 1987, when there were only about 15 Randalls left in existence. Together with farmers Phil and Diane Lang, Cynthia started the Randall Cattle Registry in 2001. In June, I spent some time in southern Vermont meeting with a few Randall lineback owners like Kim Paysonow, Brent Newell, and Michelle Porter. Michelle lives in Wardsboro with her partner, Dan. She grew up on a dairy farm in New Hampshire, went to Vermont Technical College for dairy herd management, and worked for a time as a welder for artist Johnny Swing, a high-profile coin furniture artist in southern Vermont. Michelle eventually relocated to Wardsboro, where she encountered her first Randall lineback and never looked back. Here's Michelle. They're giant dogs. They come when they're called. You'll see them come out of nowhere. You're like, come on, girls. And they fly out of nowhere. And they're like instantly right there. They're all in your pocket. You know, when we got them, they were a little more skittish. But now that we hang out with them all the time, we brush them, you know, they're always right there. They're funny that the bigger ones pick on the smaller ones a little bit, push them around, and the smaller ones like to run around and play with each other. They're cute. Michelle started with a couple of Randalls that she got from Kim Paysonneau, whom she met through Brent Newell. And as you can imagine, it's a bit of a small world in the Randall lineback community. Anyway, Michelle now has six cattle with three more on the way. She uses artificial insemination to grow the herd and raises the cattle for meat. Now, maybe you're wondering why some Randalls are raised for meat if they're critically endangered. But creating a demand for Randall meat is key to the breed's growth and sustainability. Other than them being adorable and beautiful, what are some of the benefits of having a Randall linebacks? They are one of two of the remaining land race breeds in America. And so they are used for meat draft and milk and they are like the perfect homestead cow they don't produce a ton of milk so like there is a dairy herd and i do believe it's in virginia and they milk cows there but they don't produce a bunch they're a lot like shorthorns they also are so smart that's what makes them great draft animals they produce something that's like rose veal it's like a lean meat um, it's extremely tender. It's some of the best beef I've ever had, you know, and we've always raised our own cows. And I don't know much about the milk, but I do know that they don't do a lot, but they're extremely friendly. So if you're homesteading and you know, dealing with them is really great. 
Talking about your background a little bit, you know, you talked about you growing up with cows. So you grew up on a dairy farm in New Hampshire. Yes. And then you went to Vermont Tech for dairy herd management. So tell me a little bit about your growing up on a farm. You were, what, surrounded by Holsteins? We had Holsteins. So before we moved to the farm, my parents got divorced. And so we decided to move back to the family farm, me and my mother and my sisters, And we already previously did 4-H. So that was like the big fun to do, you know, like going to 4-H and going to the cow shows and doing the fairs. And, you know, we did a bunch of other stuff in 4-H. We made baskets. We sewed, you know, we did all that stuff. So going to the fair was like we get to show off all the stuff we've made for the year. So it was already exciting. And we already wanted to be around the cows so much. And so when we moved there, it was a really good experience in responsibility, doing chores before you go to school or doing chores when you come home from school and doing firewood and milking cows and doing hay and all that stuff. It was a big lesson in responsibility for all of us. And growing up there was probably the best. Michelle and Dan live on 27 acres in Wardsboro. The couple first came across Randall's while stopping by a farm owned by Brent Newell in West Wardsboro. Brent Newell lives on a farm nearby for here and he makes maple sugar and he has the Randall cows and he raises them for himself. And he originally had, I do believe, a milking herd with a few of them in there. I met him when I met the Randall cows and he started talking to me about them when we went there just to pick up mulch bales. And I was like, they're super cool. They're super cool. And After the fact, when I finally moved up here, I was like, we should get cows. And, you know, I've always had them. I was like, I didn't really see that for myself, but we've always had them. So it'd be cool to have them again. Yeah. Dan didn't grow up around cows, so he's like, all right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And we got them, and we raised them for meat. And we split them up with our neighbors, so they split up some of the meat with us, and we kind of— Decided, you know, whatever we put in is what we'll get out. So whatever the cost of grain is, you can, whatever the cost of the cow is, you can buy the cow and the grain. And then at the end, we'll split the butcher cost. So everybody owned a piece of this cow. Mm -hmm. And when we got the meat back, I was a little nervous. I was, it looked really lean and I'd never had it before. And I was like, "Ah, I don't know. But then once I got the reviews in and I got to taste it, it was some of the best beef I've ever ever had and I was like oh we can't not have them Mm -hmm. we have to so we let a year pass and then we ended up buying a couple of these guys and then from there we just kind of started collecting them (laughs) the fact that they originated in the northeast and then were developed in Sunderland is pretty cool no it was something that was normally you know, people had cattle for their needs back in the day. They had cattle for their needs, and it was specific to areas. So these cattle are made for the cold. They're great foragers. They're just an all-around tough breed. You know, they do great out here. Whereas if we were to put them in Texas, you know, back in the day, they probably wouldn't do as well. So, like, it's pretty cool that they've adapted to the area. And that's 
pretty special. You know, like everybody can have a Holstein. They do fine everywhere. Everybody can have a jersey. Not everybody can have a Randall lineback. And hopefully we can change that. Now everybody has a Randall lineback. Kim Payson, mentioned earlier in this episode, is the Dean Farm Livestock Manager at Hill Dean in Manchester, where there are 13 Randalls. Kim also manages the Randall Cattle Registry, which was started by Cynthia Creech in 2001. And it just so happens that Kim's grandmother was Everett Randall's partner. Kim spent her childhood at the Sunderland Farm, surrounded by Randall linebacks. She now lives at that very same farm in Sunderland, where she raises two Randall linebacks. I met with Kim on the property where the Randall linebacks got their start. But why and when the Randall linebacks originated in Sunderland is a bit of an unknown. Here's Kim. So it's still a mystery. His father actually had them. And then Everett kind of took over when he passed away. But there's this mystery behind how they got here, where they originally came from. Obviously, when I was young, whenever it passed away in the early 80s, we had quite a few of them. So they had been here a long time, <laughs> you know, at least, you know, 50 years. They were milking them in the 50s. But yeah, it's a mystery. And I go back and forth thinking, did they really know what they had to, that the cattle were special? And then sometimes I think maybe they didn't. But then my grandmother used to tell a story about how when Everett would send bull calves to auction, that he would always castrate them before he would send them. And we think that that was kind of a good indication that, you know, he knew and didn't want there to be any crossbreeding. And just down the road, we had a 4-H camp and he wouldn't allow my brother to take one of the Randalls over to show. So they would actually go over to the local farm, the Wilcoxes, and they'd get a Holstein and he would take that cow over to show. So... I think they knew <laughs> that they were special, but where they actually acquired them and how the first ones got here, I have no idea. How did the Randalls become critically endangered? So when Everett passed away, my grandmother couldn't tend to them by herself anymore. It had always been just Everett and a farmhand and her. And she reached out to different folks that were interested in trying to preserve the breed. And some people stepped in. This gentleman named Robert Gear helped find some farms. And she was optimistic and thought everything was great. And then unfortunately had heard that some of the farms they went to, they were not living up to their end of the deal. And that's when Cynthia Creech stepped in and rescued the remaining 15 or 16, I think it was 16, um, cattle. And she took them back to Tennessee with her. I think she even lost a couple of cattle along the way. They were in such poor condition. And then eventually realized it was too hot in Tennessee and worked her way back up the coast. She was in Virginia for a bit and then Connecticut and New York. And now she's back in Virginia. Yeah, so the registry was originally started by Cynthia Creech and Phil and Diane Lang in Connecticut. So they're the originators. They have been an enormous part of preserving the breed and educating people on the breed. And just before COVID hit, <laughs> I agreed to start to tr do the transition to take over the registry. COVID, of course, made it very difficult with them being in Connecticut and Cynthia in New York at the time to actually be hands-on and meet in person to do this transition and get all the information. 
So it took a little bit of, of time to try to do this via email and phone calls, but I am currently managing the registry and it's amazing to see all the registrations come in and to be able to really get in depth and see where the the big herds are or there's you know some animals here and you know it's amazing I've got people reaching out from Washington State and Minnesota you know who might have one or two cows yeah do you have any sense of how many Randalls there are out there? So that's a good question. I actually had somebody email me that question the other day. So being I get to actually look at all the registrations and see the numbers, I have a pretty good idea, but it is tricky because there are a lot of unregistered animals out there and a lot of the cattle in the registry have obviously died and we have no way to keep track of that yet, but that's on my plan to try to make <laughs> that happen, make a means to keep that information organized. I estimate that there's approximately under a thousand Randalls in existence. And that is me kind of estimating and guessing, including the unregistered ones as well. How many Randalls do you think there need to be for them not to be critically endangered? Is that is that something you can answer? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Unfortunately, a lot of farms are are crossbreeding them. So that's a very big concern to be able to keep track because if once they're crossed with a different breed, you know, they do not qualify to enter the registry. So it gets tricky. So it's we really have to educate people on the importance of breeding with just Randalls and not crossing and to register their animals as soon as they can. Because what I've been finding in taking over the registry is a lot of people have let that lapse. So now they're trying, they want to register, you know, two generations of births and the original has not been registered. So trying to sort out that information and, you know, that animal might have passed on and they're upset that they can't register the offspring. So it's really important to follow up on that as soon as you can and follow the registry rules as well. Each farm gets a farm ID that you can use to tattoo your cattle's ears. So that provides a good record down the line if you <laughs> somehow get your records mixed up or something, you know, a cattle loses an ear tag, we can provide proof of who that animal is. With my employment at Hildeen, it's an awesome collaboration. We're just a few miles down the road from each other, my home, the original Randall Farm, and then Hildeen. So it works great that I can, if I need to bring a bull home because I can't have that bull near the females at this certain time, or I need to separate different animals for different reasons, I have this really handy access <laughs> of being close. So I'm hoping with that access available to me that we will be able to increase the breeding and that I just want people to, you know, just learn about them and they are so, they're multi-purpose. So you can milk them or beef or oxen. So they kind of have a place on everybody's farm. And so many people are homesteading and trying to do sustainable ag and um, regenerative ag. They really fit in, you know, they, they fit into that dynamic so well that I think, you know, there, there's a good fit for them and is promising for them to give them a job. 
obviously their uniqueness is pretty special. Growing up, I didn't really realize how special it was to be associated with them until I got older. And then I was like, I've got to get these cows back on the farm. You know, this is amazing. But sometimes I just feel like they know what I'm saying to them. They are so intelligent. I can yell to them across the pasture. They'll come running to me. My hope is to get to spend more time with them. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, life and a regular full-time job at the farm, I can't dive into as much as I'd like to do with them with training-wise and that. My ultimate dream would be able to be able to milk some again and possibly, you know, with the collaboration at Hildine, be able to do a specialty Randall cheese someday. So that's on the bucket list. It's probably a ways out, but it's a dream. <laughs> when I first started at Hildine, I said, boy, I said, it'd be amazing if we could have Randall's here someday. And that came true. So the cheese might be able to come true, too. <laughs> You can see Randall Linebacks at the Dean Farm at Hildeen in Manchester. Visit hildeen.org for more information. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can follow Happy Vermont on Instagram or Facebook or visit my website at happyvermont.com. And if you have a story idea or just want to say hello, I would love that. You can send me an email at hello at happyvermont.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and happy summer. Mm-hmm.